Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Christina Stathopoulos, and I will be your host today. I am dedicated to the world of data, currently an analytical lead for Waze at Google, an adjunct professor of analytics at IE Business School and ISDE, and an active public speaker in the space. We are joined again today by Richard Haynes, founder and CEO of Brightlight, for the last episode of our three-part series. And in today's episode, we are covering data discovery and the next generation of business intelligence, which I will reference often as BI. Welcome back, Richard. How are you doing today? Hi, Christina. It's great to be back. Uh, Really looking forward to this podcast. Uh, Business intelligence has always been very close to my heart. Yeah, same, same for me. And it's great to have you back again on the show. For those who might not have tuned in to our earlier episodes, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you and your team do at Brightlight. Sure. So I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Brightlight. Um, we've been around for a number of years. Um, we've got some really interesting technology in the BI space, um, but also around the BI space. And, and there's a couple of conversations we've already had in, in data science uh, and machine learning and ML ops. Um, but what we have is basically a product that is really empowering uh, people to get the most of their data assets. And this is really around the user experience and bringing a speed of thought and experience to them. Uh, and so really empowering all those uh, use cases and tasks that involve uh, decision-making, ultimately making decisions, uh, informed decisions that basically are taking uh, and distilling data and converting that into insights. And some of that is around you know, database uh, accelerated databases, and some of that is around the actual graphic user interface and the visualizations that you're seeing. Got it. And and we've already covered together some interesting topics. Um, we were learning more about you and Bright Light in the process as well. As a quick reminder, in our past episodes, we spoke about MLOps and the critical piece that databases play. You shared how Brightlight brings AI to the database, using the power of databases then to solve common challenges faced when companies try to execute on MLOps. And then we also spoke about deep learning and making it more accessible to the citizen data scientist. You gave us a a really nice background on deep learning, especially for structured data, and you linked all of this to real-world application, implementation, and success cases with your own clients and partners. So I encourage any new listeners today to go back and check out our previous episodes together to hear about all of this in more detail. Today's episode, though, is going to focus on data discovery and BI. So let's jump right in. Richard, can you tell me the latest trends you are seeing in the next generation of BI? Sure. So um, BI has obviously been around for a long time, and business intelligence, as a way of describing that, has been around for for many, many years. Um, There are loads of really useful tools out there, but there's some things that are really important. So the first is uh, the database. Every business intelligence tool that is going to be servicing and used 
to build dashboards is going to need to sit on a database uh, to prepare and crunch the data. And so there's a lot of development happening in databases today to really make them go faster. Uh, a while back, um, there was uh, the whole Hadoop and BigQuery and uh, ways of using MapReduce to look at much larger data sets and to be able to accelerate. The next generation of tools are using hardware acceleration, like Bright Light is, uh, in the form of graphics processor units to deliver very low latency analytics uh, on, on relatively large data sets. And so that means that a person can come in, load the data, they don't need to worry about indexing or preparing that data, investing a whole lot of time up front. They can dive in and start adding in dashboards and ad hoc query and analysis immediately and start to really discover and, and get the benefits from that data in a very short space of time. So that's one of the things that are happening in next generation BI. The other things that are happening is more and more the kinds of tools that are wrapped around the data are changing and becoming more sophisticated. And also the people who um, those tools are targeted at are changing uh, as well. There's a user called the um, data science citizen that Gartner speaks about. And these people are actually analysts or domain experts. They understand the data that they're working with. They understand the insights that they want to get out of that data. Uh, but they're not necessarily experts in a specific technology. And so the next generation of BI tools is really empowering these people to be able to use those domain expertise um, and the understanding of the data that they have um, and to be able to surface that. And so what that means is really abstracting away uh, and creating user interface that's very intuitive and easy to use, that's very responsive. I really talked about using graphics processing units to really improve their performance and, and introduce low latency queries. But there's also things around uh, data science and using the latest uh, trends in deep learning and neural networks to really empower these citizen data scientists to start making use of these new developments. Uh, but again, without having to uh, actually become experts in neural networks and deep learning. Got it. So you, you're seeing two main trends. Um, you talked about the database. So the BI needs to sit on a solid database. And you were talking about this move from Hadoop to more advanced uh, modern day hardware, different solutions. As well, the, the second point that you were making is the tools that are wrapped around the data are becoming more sophisticated, plus they're targeting more and different users. Uh, we're empowering people with even with just more domain experience rather than this technical know-how, we're empowering them to get the most out of data. So I see a lot more democratization of data for all. Now, on a, on a related note, I have heard that your company, Brightlight, was recognized independently as the world's fastest analytics database. So in other words, you are the Usain Bolt of analytics. How have you achieved this feat? And how do you recommend businesses scale their own analytic speed? Absolutely. You know, it's something that we're very, very proud of to be recognized as the world's fastest analytic database. If you think about how many databases there are available, how much research uh, goes into this space every year, uh, to be at the, the pinnacle of that uh, is a tremendous achievement. And, uh, you know, that's down to the engineers that we have working on our technologies. We have some patented 
intellectual property as well. And that's specifically around being able to use graphics processor units efficiently. Just a little bit about GPUs. They, they're well recognized as being incredible devices, much faster than traditional CPU type technology, but they get that because they are massively parallel. And so that introduces a constraint and it means that you have to have very specific kinds of algorithms and very specific kinds of software to be able to properly leverage GPUs. Our patent allows us to do that. Uh, and so that means we can load data onto the GPUs, wrap it up using a Postgres database. So the user experience is Postgres, all the tools, all the connectors, everything that you can imagine is all Postgres, except the engine is now um, running on GPU. You know, it's funny that you should use Usain Bolt as the um, way of describing that. That's exactly what we used to do as well, or it's what we do as well. Um, and just to give you an idea of the kinds of performance that we're talking about, you can take uh, a multi-billion row data set in its raw form, unindexed, you know, not normalized, uh, not pre-aggregated, uh, and you can start running queries on it and get answers in the time that it takes Usain Bolt to actually respond to the starter's gun. Uh, so I'm talking, you know, sub 100 millisecond type uh, response times. You can fire queries at the database, at a bright light database, and get the response and get everything that you need, all the, all the answers uh, in the time it takes Usain Bolt to actually just start to perceive and respond to the starter's gun, which is like it's essentially in real time as far as, far as human experiences is concerned. Just an incredibly fast system, it sounds like. Um, and, and as well, congratulations on this recognition. I think it's a, a, huge, uh, a huge recognition. Yeah, definitely. You know, we were absolutely very proud of it. And, and I think it's really relevant. I think it's worth also saying, though, it's how that speed is packaged up. So we've got some great tools that wrap around that. And also it's delivered in a serverless way. So that means that the uh, software is in the cloud. You can create an account on brightlight.io. All the GPUs there, all the software is there. And when you log in, everything's available and running. And when you log out, everything is decommissioned. And so that means that you can have the benefits of GPU hardware and this performance, uh, but you're only paying for what you use when you use it. And that really mitigates the costs of what can actually be quite a expensive hardware solution. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing some of these secrets to how you're scaling analytics and, and accelerating speed. Now, going back to the BI subject, one of my personal favorites and a vital part of BI is the last mile. So data visualization. Can you tell us a little bit about this data visualization tool that you all have? Yeah. So... We've spent a lot of time trying to understand um, the end user experience and what they're trying to achieve. And, and my background has always been in BI uh, for many, many years. One of the things that becomes apparent pretty quickly, or, or there's a couple of things that become apparent pretty quickly, is while we all have our own favorites, uh, they're all unique and, and different. And so trying to build a tool that can cater for everybody is actually really, really challenging. And particularly in enterprise type solutions, you very quickly get to a place where things are very complex and uh, need to be highly customized. And so what we've done is instead of trying to create a 
BI experience or, or a product that has all of the bits really there. We do have, you know, we do have a broad range of pieces there. But what we have as well is a is a plugin, a chart plugin. So that means that um, the end user can actually go and decide what kind of end chart they would like to use and create. Uh, so, for instance, you might have a quiver chart or uh, a uh, box and whisker chart or, you know, some specific kind of visualization that is really important to you but uh, may not be easily accessible. And because we have the chart plugin, that means that a developer can go and create that specific kind of chart, load it into the platform, and make it available to their end users. Um, and it means that you just have this far greater level of ability to deal with any you know, nuances or customizations that need to happen uh, in BI. And from what I've seen, your data visualization tool goes beyond common features, and it also covers geospatial visualization. Coming from a geospatial industry myself, I find this intriguing that your tool has powerful capabilities, particularly when it comes to processing and visualizing geospatial data. How is speed a scalable factor from a geospatial perspective? And for something so complex at its core, how have you optimized this? So geospatial data is really interesting. And there is uh, so much more of it today than there ever was before. And that is that is accelerating. You've got lots and lots of uh, companies now sending satellites into orbit, collecting data, uh, and building whole um, markets and ecosystems around data that's gathered from satellites. You're also getting a lot of data coming off devices and IoT, mobile devices, cars, all sorts of things. So geospatial itself is really interesting and really growing. Ultimately, when we talk about geospatial, very often the, the, the key visualization is a map. And we've invested a, a lot of time and a lot of energy creating a very sophisticated mapping capability in the visualization part of the tool uh, and supporting that with a very fast geospatial data crunching engine in the database. And to combine these becomes really interesting. So we have uh, use cases where very large operators, telco operators in the US are collecting data that's geospatial. It's got a geospatial tag on it um, with a whole lot of other metadata um, attached as well. And they're using our platform to interrogate billions and billions of rows of data, raw data, to render maps that allow them to understand how their network is performing in real time. Uh, we've got other customers who are smart cities and they're collecting data uh, specifically coming out of their traffic systems and the traffic within those systems. Again, to in real time, look at a map and understand the flow of traffic through the city, uh, where congestion is happening, where services may need to be in increased in real time, and also being able to forecast what kind of traffic uh, flows are likely to be occurring. So um, to be able to solve the geospatial analytics use case, you need some really interesting mapping capabilities, which we have, uh, but you also need the back end to be able to crunch large amounts of geospatial quickly uh, to render those maps in real time and make them effective for the end user. Okay. And geospatial, like I mentioned before, coming from the industry myself, geospatial data is incredibly interesting. I, I cannot agree with you more there. 
And it's great that you found a way to solve for a lot of these problems when it comes to particularly visualization of geospatial data. It's incredibly complex, but at the same time can be so insightful to look into, to understand mobility and, and just really anything superimposed over a map, understanding from that type of perspective. And your tools don't even stop there. From my understanding, Brightlight has even more when it comes to BI. You also have this user-friendly, drag-and-drop, yet scriptable when needed, analytics workbench. Can you tell us about your analytics workbench? What is so special about it? What benefit does it offer users? Yes. So I mentioned earlier, you know, very quickly, when you are developing a an analytic solution, a BI solution, or, or something that's got uh, dashboarding within it, you quickly start realizing that everybody has a specific way of wanting to visualize their data or interact with their data. And so that's the one thing. So one needs to have the ability to handle and, and deal with that. You also have, as I mentioned, um, people, uh, end users, individuals who are domain experts, they understand their data, but they're not necessarily technologists. And so one needs to have a platform that is really user-friendly, intuitive, and easy to use so that people can load that data uh, and start getting the benefits of that data quickly and easily. Uh, and so that you really need a, a drag-and-drop type of uh, interface for that. And then as, as, as it progresses and more sophisticated dashboards are built, uh, what we did is we, we split things up so that they're the charts, which is what uh, the end user is consuming, but also uh, a set of controls so that the user can go and interact and uh, set preferences or sliders or provide information input into the dashboard, and then front-end scripting. And so our front-end scripting engine is able to consume fragments of JavaScript, so very easy to understand, natively consumable within the browser. And those JavaScript snippets will link a control to anything else happening in the dashboard. So I can use controls to do filtering, which is you know what often happens and needs to be quite flexible you know, 95% of the time. But I can also use controls to then uh, change dynamically what the chart is going to show, titles, colors, what data is actually queried. So I can change table names, column names, and I can change the actual formulas that are being run. So for instance, I was talking about the telco data and operators using that to understand their network performance. They might have a range of measurements they might want to look at latencies. They might want to look at percentiles. They might want to look at an aggregate measure of performance. Uh, all of these are slightly different calculations and formulas. Uh, and I can then dynamically create and weave that all together in a very consumable way for the end user. But I can, I can do that without having to become very technical in the solution build. And so what that means for customers is they can really reduce their time to market in delivering a analytic solution to their end customer. I'm seeing a common thread across many of your tools and capabilities, democratizing data for a wider audience. The drag and drop tools can be extremely powerful, opening up accessibility to even beginners or non-technical users. So it's very useful that you've made your tools friendly You've tried to make them friendly for a wider range of users. 
Wrapping up for today, since this is our last episode of the three-part series, do you have a piece of advice or last words that you want to share with our listeners? Yes, I think, um, you know, where we're, we're targeting our tool set is really at uh, analysts, data scientists, um, and people who are really familiar with their data and their domain, and they just want to go and you know, build really amazing, beautiful dashboards and get those insights that nobody else has yet achieved. Um, so we really focused our tools around that user experience. And my advice is if you are interested in looking at next generation BI or playing with a high performance database or trying to find out how deep learning can help you move forward with um, some of the insights that you're building in structured data, then come along to brightlight.io, create an account. It's free. Uh, you get GPU hardware at the back end. You get all our great software and see the difference that Brightlight can make to your end user experience. Thank you, Richard, for, for the advice and all of the great insight today and in the past. It's been a fascinating conversation as always. I've enjoyed it. I think our listeners will. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. If you want more information on what we've discussed today, make sure you head on over to brightlight.io, as Richard was explaining as well. It's spelled B-R-Y-T-L-Y-T.io. We will be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. Mm-hmm.